Well, today we are continuing our series of messages called Real Big Community and uh, how some of the most important values that we have as a church are also some of the most important values that we have in our own lives as well. By the way, next weekend is G City Weekend. So as Pastor Chris was saying, um, we're not going to be having our normal services here, but you can show up during first service and there's a group of people who will be serving during that hour. And then the second service, we'll be having Operation Christmas Child here in this room. So please feel free to join us on one of those projects if you'd like. Feel free to stop by our G-City table as you, before you leave today. And if you haven't found a place to plug in, we'd love for you to be able to do that. For me, I'm actually won't, I actually won't be a part of any of the projects that's going on Saturday uh, during G-City weekend because my daughter is getting married on Saturday, who is here today. I'm... I'm so excited that Maria's here for the next few days, and I'm just so proud of her and the decision she has made in her life and how she is making this commitment on Saturday. So I'm not going to be here on Saturday, but I will be here on Sunday, and I'm so looking forward to being able to be a part of Operation Christmas Child and also to be a part of this worship service that we're doing with the homeless Sunday at, at, that Sunday afternoon down in Tucson with Pastor Ramos. That just sounds so exciting to me. So I don't know if you're excited, excited about next weekend as I am, but I hope, hopefully if you're not, that it'll just kind of rub off of me and go a little bit to you as well. So it's going to be a great weekend. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about being focused, right, and keeping the main thing the main thing. And we've also talked about being unified and how we're to stick together as a big community even when we disagree about things. And today what I want to talk about as we continue walking through Acts chapter 15 is about stumbling blocks and how to remove stumbling blocks that are in our lives. Speaking of stumbling, how many of you can remember a time recently where you tripped and fell? Now, I don't mean that you just kind of like caught your foot on something and you caught yourself. I mean face plant on the ground, right? Stumbled and fell and you're down for the count. Can you think of a time like that recently when that's happened? And you got all banged up. Maybe some of you, I know some of you actually end up in the ER as a result of those little incidents. And definitely, if nothing else, that situation wounded your pride, right? Been there, done that, right? I know I have. That's the worst, isn't it? You're going about your day. You're thinking all is well, all all is wonderful in the world. And all of a sudden, wham, you know, you're just on the ground eating dirt or or even worse, concrete or asphalt, Um, you know, I, I, I'm so used to going out with other hikers, and as I've done that, you know, one of the things that I've kind of learned being a part of different hiking groups is that the cardinal sin when it comes to hiking, that thing that you just never, ever do, is trip and fall on a trail. I mean, that's just, that's about one of the worst things that you can do. If you want to be the butt of jokes for the rest of the day, you trip over your own two feet as a hiker walking down a trail. And um, yet, some, we've all done it probably at some time or another. Um, I, I'll never forget one time years ago, I was actually hiking the Arizona Trail, and I was in the Four Peaks Wilderness, which is this area kind of between Phoenix and Payson, uh, in this area that was about six or 7,000 feet up. And it was in the winter, and there was snow on the trail. And this particular part of the trail I was on, it was like almost a 45-degree angle. When with snow on top, and then the snow had melted during the heat of the day and then refrozen at night, and so it was slick in places. And you're kind of walking, and all of a sudden, if you're not careful, whoop, there you go. And one, we got to one spot, and that's exactly what happened to me. I, I, hit, I, I thought I, was, I, was, I had a sure footing, and I hit a patch of ice. And I didn't just slip and gently slide. I tumbled down the mountain. I mean, it was gross. It was embarrassing. I had cuts and bruises all over myself. The most important part of all of this was no one else was around to see me when I did it. Right? Thankfully, everyone else was far enough ahead, and they didn't hear the screams or the tumbling go down the mountainside several feet. 
I, kind of, I brushed myself off. I had all these scratches and bruises to explain when I caught up with everyone else. And I had to tell them, you know, that I ran into a bear on the trail while they weren't there. You know, and thank God I was able to fight him off, you know, show him who was boss. But, you know, it's those, it's those moments that we, we trip and fall oftentimes, not when there's something obvious in front of us. It's those times we stumble and fall typically with things that we just never would expect would cause us to trip and fall, right? I mean, those are the times that we have to be concerned about. My wife, again, was a perfect example. I mean, she never would have expected in January to be walking into Home Depot and trip over this little spot in the parking lot that I'm sure they still to this day think is not a big deal. But yet that little spot in the, in the asphalt in front of that, in that parking lot has led her to surgery and months and months of recovery. Cindy Baker, who is a part of our Grace community, she's our worship producer here at Grace a few years ago, she was uh, at a meeting here one, one night, and at 10 o'clock, she and I were leaving the church, and we always talked in the leadership at Grace about this little spot that was between the sidewalk and the breezeway and the beginning of the, of the parking lot out here, and we always would say, well, you know, we need to fix that one of these. Somebody's going to trip over that. Ha ha. And then that night, Cindy hit that spot the wrong way, and down she went. And it was like slow motion. like, no, don't fall. But she did, and you know, all, all that time when we joked about how, yeah, we should get that fixed, I tell you, within a week, that puppy was fixed. It was taken care of. But that's always it, isn't it? I mean, it's never, it's never the big obvious things that trip us up in life. It's the little things. It's those things that we kind of minimize and we think aren't that big of a deal that we get tripped out, trip over. Those are the things that get us. And whereas in our lives, we, when we fall physically at times, we only hurt ourselves or at least that's usually the case. If, if you've got a story where you fell physically and you've got, you hurt other people in the process, that seems like a really good one. I'd like to save that illustration for later, so make sure you tell me about it. But typically when we fall spiritually, that's a different deal. When we fall spiritually, oftentimes we do take down other people with us. Isn't that true? If others see our mistakes, particularly if we minimize them or if we repeat them, it can cause other people to question faith. And wonder if it all is just shallow and meaningless and not worth pursuing. And we can say all we want. Oh, you shouldn't see it that way. We all make mistakes. But saying that never really helps anything, does it? Now, we're part of not a huge community here at Grace, but we have about 450, 500 people who call Grace their home. We have the potential on G-City Weekend, but really any, time, any day of the week as individuals, to help make Christ better known or to help others reject him. And the last thing that I'm sure any of you want to do is to cause someone to stumble, right? What I want us to see today is that we can and we should pay attention to those stumbling blocks that are out there that cause others to trip up spiritually. But even more than that, we can help others grow when we see those stumbling blocks and we turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later this morning. It's not when we minimize those things or we blow them off or we say, well, he or she shouldn't feel that way. That's their problem. But instead, when we go above and beyond and we lay down our own perspectives, we lay down our own rights at times for the sake of others who are perhaps a little bit weaker or a little bit newer in the faith than we are. When we don't do anything about the stumbling blocks that God points out to us in life, those stumbling blocks hurt people. 
Maybe even you have been hurt by a follower of Jesus who has said or did something that really tripped you up for a while. Many of us have a story like that, right? In our story today in Acts chapter 15, we've been, we've, the last few weeks we've been talking about two different groups of people who in the days of the early church were becoming followers of Jesus. There were these, this group of people who were, had a Jewish background as Jesus had who were coming to faith in Christ. But then there was this other group of people who didn't have a Jewish background at all. The Jewish people called them Gentiles back in those days, which meant basically that they weren't like us. They weren't Jews. And these two groups of people lived, in relative, lived relatively in the same uh, part of the world at the same time, yet their backgrounds and their cultures made them light years apart from each other. Both groups were doing things that were creating stumbling blocks for each other, and those stumbling blocks had to be addressed. So if you haven't already turned with, turned, turn with me, if you would, to, to Acts chapter 15. We're going to continue on in this story this morning. And as you're turning there, let me just uh, find yourself in verse 12, if you can. Let me just give you a, background, a quick background here for just a few seconds if you have missed the prior weeks. Basically, what we're seeing as we're walking through Acts 15 is that these two groups of people, these early Christians, some Jewish and some not Jewish in their background, they're starting to have some tense moments together because some of these Jewish background believers are saying, well, anyone who is a really a Christian, if they're really a Christian and they're a guy, they, they should have gotten circumcised by now. And if they're not, then they're really not a Christian. And we think today, oh my goodness, seriously? But back in that day, that was a big, big deal. It was a, it was a huge deal. And it was causing, it was, had the potential to split the church in half. And so this was an issue that was causing an emergency meeting of the leaders of the early church where they were going to get together and figure this out. So let's pick up this story today in verse 12 of Acts 15. It says, Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. Let me, let me just pause there for a moment. You know, as, I, as I was reading this passage... Um, a few days ago, one of the things that really struck me was, um, don't you just love how God has this way of working through some of the messes we create in life? (laughs) You know, despite these faithful, well-intentioned Jewish Christians who were saying all this stuff and tripping Gentiles up in the faith, God just had this miraculous way, this amazing way of working around that, and people were still coming to Christ. God was using people like Paul and Barnabas to lead people to Christ, even though this disunity was happening, this split was happening, and all this contention was going on. I just, I just wanted to stop just a moment to point that out to you, that sometimes we cause other people to stumble in our faith journey. Sometimes it's with the best of intentions that we can cause that to happen. When we realize that something like that is happening and God points it out, we're to deal with it. We're not to minimize it. We're not to blow it off. But once we deal with it, In those moments, we can trust that God is in control and that God will do what only God can do. Maybe in your life something's happened and maybe somebody that you love or you care about has tripped or fallen spiritually. Maybe it was even in part because of something that you said or did. Let me encourage you. God's hands aren't tied by this situation. God's bigger than our mistakes. Amen? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 13. It says, when they, when they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them 
a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. So what's happening here? Well, all these, as all these people are speaking up and they're giving their opinions about this whole circumcision thing, you know, last week we saw that Peter spoke up about it. And now we see this man named James, who was, who was one of the leaders of the early church back in that time. He starts to speak. And as he starts to speak, he starts to think back and remember some of the things that God had said a long time ago, 800 years prior in Amos chapter 9, where, he, where God said that no longer would there be, uh, would only Jewish people be able to know who God is because God would break down those barriers. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 20 speaks to this as well as it says that you and I as Gentiles are not strangers to God anymore because of Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross some 2,000 years ago, nothing, nothing can keep us from a relationship with God except ourselves. And as they listened to each other, they saw that these stumbling blocks had to be resolved among themselves. You know, it reminds me of a situation of, of several years ago. God spoke to me about an issue that he pointed out to me was a stumbling block in some people's lives that I had never really paid attention to or I had never had thought to be that big of a deal. And that was around the issue of alcohol. Um, there were times you know, in my past when you know, I would go out to with friends and, and go to, say, a microbrewery and have a Guinness, which, sorry, I, I love to have a cup of Guinness every now and then, a glass of Guinness every now and then. But, you know, I would go out in public and I would do that, you know, and I would enjoy, enjoy that, just have maybe a glass or a half a glass. But then God pointed out to me at one point that I was being a stumbling block by doing that to other people who were younger or newer in the faith or perhaps someone who wasn't even a, a, a Christian yet. And for a while, I fought it, and I thought, like, oh, gosh, come on, Lord. That's, I mean, they need to get over it. I mean, the Bible doesn't say there's anything wrong with drinking alcohol. It just says there's nothing wrong with being drunk, right? And so I, I had these debates with God, and, you know, if you've ever done that, and you had these arguments with God, trying to convince him that, that you're right and he's wrong. And eventually, I, I lost that fight, and I realized not only was God showing me that I was a stumbling block to them, but I was also being a stumbling block to people that God was bringing across my path who had... Um, who were in recovery from being alcoholics in the past. And I was being a, a big stumbling block to them. And I came to a point where I just realized I, I had to make a decision that I'm just not going to, and I almost never do anymore, have any alcohol in public. Not because I think it's wrong, but because I know that I'm being a stumb, I could be a stumbling block to someone if I do so. Now, is that, is that me now saying, well, is that a sin? Is that something that you shouldn't do? I'm not saying that at all. Hear me. I'm just saying that's what God has shown me in my own faith journey and that I need to be obedient to. And there are other things like that in my life where God's pointing out something to me and the Bible doesn't say it's wrong, but God's showing me, Dave, you can keep doing that and you're going to be a stumbling block for someone else. It's not worth it. Get rid of it. Even as a larger community, this can happen as well. For example, here at Grace. You know, Grace was started some 31 years ago. And when, it, when Grace was started, uh, the decision was to align our church with a denomination in our country called the Evangelical Covenant Church. 
The Evangelical Covenant Church, just a few years before Grace was started, decided to affirm women sensing a calling and gifting into ministry. Those who had gone through the process, just as their male counterparts had, to be prepared to serve in pastoral ministry. The covenant in that, in back in those days was wrestling with this idea, should we affirm and should we ordain women to be in ministry? And, great, and the covenant made that decision. And so when Grace was started back 31 years ago, and Grace became an evangelical covenant church, that was one of the things that we were aligning ourselves with as a church, is that we were going to support those women who came into our midst who felt called and gifted into ministry. Now, at the same time, as I say this, I know, and you perhaps know people who are believers or who are not believers, who don't believe that, who believe that the Bible even says that it's not for women to be in a place of ministry. And in those situations, we don't push back against those people because we don't want to create a stumbling block for them. Even though we read Scripture and we understand that it's, that it's important and it's valuable and it's biblical, for those who don't hold that belief and believe that the Bible says something differently, we don't create a stumbling block for them because of how they read Scripture. Another example around this is, I, personally, I encourage women at Grace and wherever I encounter them who, who feel a call and a gift to ministry, I encourage them to pursue that gift and to see how, where God leads them. But there's one circumstance where I have not done so. And, and I, even to this day, I mean, this is my personal conviction. If I were to run into a female who would say, I feel called and gifted to be a pastor in Afghanistan or in Syria, or in Iraq, or some other hard Muslim country, I would actually discourage that woman from pursuing that call. Why? Because because is is it wrong? No. But it would be a huge stumbling block to the Muslims in that community who have a really hard time understanding how women can be in a place of leadership. Now, we can kind of cross our arms and say, "Well, well, they're wrong. They need to get over it, right? Or we can realize... We need to remove stumbling blocks in people's lives to give them a step opportunity to take a step closer to Jesus. We see this happening here in the last part of Acts 15 where the, these, these early believers are figuring out how do we go above and beyond to remove stumbling blocks from people's lives. Look at verse 19. As James continues to talk, he says, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. You know, I think it's interesting here how as you dig into this story deeper and you get to this point, you start to realize it's not just that the Jewish background Christians are causing the Gentiles to trip and fall in their faith, but it's happening the other way around as well. For some of these Gentile Christians, they were causing some of their Jewish background believers to stumble by the idea of eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. And in this passage that we just read, we see James listing out several things that these Gentile Christians need to keep in mind to not cause their brothers to stumble. Now, everything in that list that I just read to you, some of the, one of the, for instance, one of those things, sexual immorality, that, that is a sin. And we see throughout other places in the Bible that God speaks very clearly to that. But these other things, what we can, as we dig into Scripture, what we see is that it's not necessarily that it's a sin, but James was pointing out it's a stumbling block for others in your life 
and you need to get rid of it. I won't go through all of those things that James listed, but I just want to pull out one as an example. This whole idea where James is talking with these Gentile Christians and saying, well, Gentile Christians shouldn't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now, what is that about? How could that be a stumbling block? Well, here's what was happening. Back in that day, some 2,000 years ago, these Gentile Christians, these people who didn't have a Jewish background, as they were coming to Christ, they would go to the market during the week and they would see meat for sale. And there's some, of the, some cuts of meat that were this price, this price, and then right next to it, there were these other cuts of meat, the exact same stuff, but they were on sale. They were cheap. And the reason they were cheap was because that, those, those cheaper meats had just hours before been offered before these idols, these statues in town to these gods that they had. And so these people who had this meat, they're like, well, we don't want to waste it, right? I mean, we could at least get something for it. And so they kind of gathered up afterward and they bring it to the market and try to sell it at a discount. And the reason they had to sell it at a discount is because these people who followed these statues, these gods, they're like, we can't eat that. I mean, the gods were supposed to be eating that stuff. I don't, I don't want to touch that, right? But then these Gentile Christians came along and was like, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with this meat. These, these gods that they've been offering this meat to, they're not even real anyway. Heck, and it's on sale, so why don't we buy that instead? Pretty good deal. And James is saying, yeah, I get that it's not a big deal to you. But for, your, but for the other believers that you know who have a Jewish background, you're creating a stumbling block. Because for them, there are these dietary laws that they're used to in their culture. There are things that they feel like affect their relationship with God. And, and you doing this, even though you had the freedom to do so, you're causing your Jewish brothers and sisters to stumble. So James says, you need to stop. Not because... You have to, but because you should, because it's the right thing to do. Maybe you can think of situations in your own life where there are things that God's pointing out to you that it's not necessarily that they're wrong, but the Lord has touched your heart and said, don't do them anyway, because you don't want a family member or a friend or a coworker to stumble in their faith journey. The last half of Romans 14 speaks to this very thing about sacrificing food to idols. It says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. In 1 Corinthians 8, it speaks to it also, and it says, Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about the issue. But while that knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. And then it says in verse 9, You must be careful so that your freedom, your freedom, doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. And then it says in verse 13, as he ends this whole chapter discussing this, he says, So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. In other words, Paul is saying, whatever I need to do to get rid of a stumbling block that's going to cause someone to trip up in their faith, I'm going to do it. Because that person taking one step closer to Jesus is more important than anything else to me. These days, we may not have an issue like this with meat that we go and buy off the counter at, at Fry's or Safeway. But there are all kinds of things in our lives that we can do or choices that we can make or even mistakes that we can minimize that can set people back in their faith. Let me ask you this morning. This is what I'm getting to. Is there something in your life that has or is causing someone around you to stumble?
in their faith. Whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, is there a space in your life that God's trying to point something out to you and you're saying, well, God, you know what? It's their fault that they're seeing it that way anyway. That's their problem. It's not that big of a deal. I haven't actually done anything wrong. And God's saying to you, yeah, you have because you're creating a stumbling block for them. It could be something that he's wanting you to do differently or in the future. Or it may be something that's already happened in the past. And God's saying, yeah, I I know it's not your fault, but you need to deal with this. You may think today as as you think through those situations, well, I can't go back to him or her and apologize or appear that I was wrong in that situation because I wasn't. I was in the right there. And God's saying, no, you're not. Not if you're causing your brother or sister to stumble. Relationships can be broken over such things. And people can walk away from faith and the church. You know, there's a whole segment of our population in America today. Lately, I've been hearing it's getting into the millions of people who are known as duns. You know who I'm talking about, the duns? It's a term that's now being used for those who have walked away from the church because of being hurt by someone or some situation in the church that they couldn't get past. Someone in the church at some point in the past, there was a stumbling block there. And rather than others in the church removing that stumbling block and turning it into a stepping stone in that person's life, they let the stumbling block stay there. And it caused them to fall away from faith in the church. Maybe some of you have people in your own families who fit that description. They're done. They're done with church. They're done with the whole thing because of the hurt, the pain, the misunderstanding, whatever it was in the past that's just kind of sitting there festering. Romans says to us, do not pass judgment on them and don't make them stumble. But it's so easy to pass judgment, isn't it? When we make the choice To seek God's wisdom, though, to to seek reconciliation, to to seek God's help to repair the damage, we can turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. For instance, there's a person in my life right now that I have hurt and that I have caused to stumble because of a decision that I made a long time ago. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I didn't sin in that situation. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't even, the thing that I had done didn't even affect that person directly, but they found out about it through someone else. And it's causing them to stumble in their faith. And God's been showing me as as, as I discovered this, that I need to do everything I can to remove that stumbling block for that person. And if I can, if possible, if at all possible, to turn that stumbling block into a stepping stone in my relationship with him, to strengthen my friendship with him, and to strengthen, hopefully, even his relationship with God. Yeah, I could cross my arms and say, well, it's his problem. It's not my problem. I didn't do anything wrong. He's, he's misinterpreting the whole thing. But that's not what God is saying. God's saying, Dave, as long as that's there, that's a stumbling block, get rid of it. I pray that we will always be able to do that. To listen to God and to lovingly pursue those who are stumbling, and to perhaps even turn those stumbling blocks that are tripping people up that we know, that we care about, into stepping stones.
You know, there's an old saying that I've got here on the screen that says, the only difference between stumbling blocks and stepping stones is the way that you use them. And that is so true. Things happen in life that can trip people up. I pray that you'll take those things that are easy to minimize, those things that are easy to ignore, that may not even affect you, and that you will obey what the Lord puts on your heart. Yeah, it may be inconvenient. Yeah, it may be even a little uncomfortable for you to try to remove those stumbling blocks. But I pray that you will, you will do your best to remove them for the sake of others and it perhaps even turn them into stepping stones where they would have a closer relationship with you and a closer relationship with God as a result. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning as we just keep digging in through, this, through Acts 15 and discovering what you have to show to us there. Lord, for many of us, we know people in our lives right now who are done with faith. They're done, certainly done with church. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify those stumbling blocks that are in their lives and turn them into stepping stones. Lord, in those situations, so oftentimes we just want to be judgmental. We want to cross our arms and say, it's not my problem. They're the one with the problem. But Lord, help our, Lord, I pray that you would cause our hearts to break and to truly feel as you feel for those who are struggling and are stumbling in their faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, that you just speak loudly into our lives. If there's anything in our lives that might cause someone to stumble in the future, that you would help us to see it, to identify it, and to get rid of it. Because we care about people taking steps closer to you. Lord, I pray that we would just be extra sensitive to those moments when you speak and that we would hear your voice. And for those of you perhaps who are here this morning or those who are listening online, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want to speak to you. If you're here and you're struggling in, your faith, in faith yourself, maybe you're here this morning because a relative or a friend has brought you and you've stumbled, you've struggled with faith, you've questioned, you've seen the way some Christians have acted and it just, it just, it just makes you want to run away from faith altogether. But yet God's brought you here this morning to hear of all messages, this one, to wrestle with the Lord himself, your creator. And to help you see, as, as flawed as people are, it's not about people, it's about God and your relationship with him. What would it look like for you this morning to just discount all those people around you who aren't imperfect, who aren't doing things right, and to trust the God of the Bible, to trust the God who created you, informed you, and loves you, more than you will ever understand. If that's you this morning and you want to make that step toward Jesus, or maybe you made it a long time ago, but you got tripped up in your own faith journey along the way as something happened, and you're realizing this morning now is the time to kind of get things right again, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we confess that we're all broken, that we're all flawed. We all have baggage. We all make mistakes. We're a room full of imperfect people who are trying our best to worship and to love and to know a perfect God. Lord, forgive us for those situations where we have fallen short. For those times when not only have we, that we've tripped up spiritually, but perhaps we've caused others to trip up as well. 
Lord, forgive us for those times. Help us to see those areas that we have strayed in. Lord, give us the resolve to, as we place our faith and trust in you, to just do our best to not go there again in the future. Thank you, Lord, though, for your grace and your forgiveness for those moments when we need it and we do get tripped up once more. God, we ask you in this moment to fill us with your spirit and begin to change us from the inside out, Lord. Cleanse us. Make us into the men and women of God that you want us to be, that shine, that reflect your light into a dark and a broken world who needs you right now just as much as we do. In Jesus' name, amen.